Welcome to Just Some Brothers, a podcast with no agenda other than meeting with special guests of notoriety who may be known in sport, maybe music, and maybe even education. For that matter, anything. People who have live stories that we can resonate with as individuals. Hopefully during our segments, you get something out of it. If it's one sentence, one word, take it away with you. Because we're here as Just Some Brothers. Having some fun, spreading the word, open your mind, and enjoy your time with us. On today's episode, we're joined by Queensland origin legend and NRL superstar Chris Walker. We touch on Chris's ups and downs throughout his playing career, philanthropic ventures, and his recent launch into the world of premium vodkas. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. So Chris Walker obviously played a little bit of rugby league. In fact, uh, six rugby league sides in the NRL, 163 games, six state of origins. In fact, a little bit of the bad boy, so we'll get into that. Uh, Gone from local football right through the NRL and then into the elite level of playing state of origin. Made a little bit of time in France and then uh, after footy you went into the corporate world which started with an excavating company and then through to things like Fund My Challenge and also now, happily, that you're here with Ariane Vodka, uh, that we're having a couple of quiet drinks. But, mate, um, certainly great to have you here and uh, we look forward to hearing a couple of stories. So welcome on board, Chris, to Just Some Brothers tonight. Well, it's a nice little introduction. Thanks very much, Maka. Thanks very much, boys, for having me. No um, worries. Thank you. As I think... Well, you're saying the third guest, um, so yeah, very honoured to uh, to be a part of the couch talk tonight. So um, yeah, but Maka, thanks very much for the introduction. Yeah, so I, I did have a a pretty uh, long career. Could have been a little bit longer and a little bit um, could it, have been a little bit better. But yeah, was it the Achilles heel? Yeah, I snapped it twice. Yeah. Um, that was uh, when I was at the Gold Coast Titans. We'd I just signed with the Gold Coast Titans, and then um, yeah, in 2007, I had a bit of a a running, I, I was co- I was coached by John Cartwright at the, uh, at the at the Gold Coast as the inaugural coach when they got re-entered back into the competition. I had Cardi down at uh, the Sydney Roosters there for for a number of years, and I had a really good relationship with him. And um, he, he sort of knew my <clears throat> knew my antics off the field, and uh, he wanted to curb those when he did when I did actually sign with the Gold Coast Titans. And um, one of the one of the reasons why he took me on was um, yeah we had that relationship, but he did. One of the rules I, that yeah, was pretty heavily stipulated when I did sign with the Gold Coast Titans was, you know, I, I don't mind you coming to the, coming to the club as long as it, you, know, you, you train hard, um, you play hard, you, you dedicate yourself to the team. And one of those things is, is not drinking off the field. And um, round one in 2007, when we played the, um, you know, the St George Dragons and scored the first try, kicked the goal and broke my thumb in that game. And... One of my rules, the rules was, yeah, the rule was, yeah, I wasn't supposed to drink and uh, went out and had a, had a drink. I was out injured with a, with a broken thumb and um, got, in, got myself into a little bit of trouble. And I think it was at the Roosters that they actually deemed you the bad boy. Look, we've got to make a special mention here is that we do have the better half of Courtney <laughs> here. 
Courtney, how, how long have you had to put up with this rat bag? Yeah, it's a, it's a long time. Are we going through a history here and yeah. you haven't heard about or is this... The thing is, Macker, I'm very lucky that I've known Courtney for 26 years of my life. So um, she knows the ins and outs of my story. We grew up in Toowoomba and she is actually here in the room. But um, yeah, she's a, she's a gem, gem of a woman. That's fantastic. Beautiful wife and a, and a great mother to our kids. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm very sorry to say this, Chris, but... This is actually an intervention that, that Courtney <laughs> and I have set, and us have set up. I <laughs> oh, just like thought we were going to... Shout out to I like these kinds of interventions and if yeah. it's the case. <laughs> I guess we've got to start at some point. So chapter one is always a nice place to start at a book. Chapter um, one. So, you know, I actually said uh, last... Uh, we had last week, uh, I guess, was uh, Brett Maloney and I was saying that... Um, how many clubs I'd play, but um, but I've made. I've got to say that you're close to playing uh, more clubs than Greg Norman's got in his golf bag. How did uh, how did that all happen? I mean, you had probably your two biggest were Broncos '67 and uh, Roosters '47, but you played a total of 163. There's a bit of movement there, mate. What happened? Um, that's what happens when you're a naughty boy off the field, mate. You don't get to play 100 games at one club. So, um, yeah, I had, I had a few run-ins, but, yeah, I enjoyed my time, Macca. Um, you know, at the, at the Brisbane Broncos, obviously, moving down from Toowoomba, um, growing up in Toowoomba with, uh, with my brothers and, and having that sort of, um, yeah, that, that sort of stable kick into first grade at the Broncos. Wayne actually coached my dad. In the in the Brisbane comp back in the seventies and eighties. So oh wow, who did who did your dad play? Dad play played for Norse and Brothers. He actually okay, yeah, actually played in the nineteen eighty grand final for Norse when they won it and they beat South. So, but yeah, like we. So I had, I knew Wayne. Yeah, you know, Wayne knew me as From a kid. Back then, yeah. Back, back as a kid, you know, I was, um, that was nineteen eighty. I was born nineteen eighty, and Dad won the nineteen eighty grand final. And then in two thousand in, in nineteen eighty one and nineteen eighty two, Wayne was coached the brothers here in Brisbane, and he uh, he coached Dad in that, in that team, and then. You know, however long was it, 16 years later, he ended up coaching me and my two brothers, Ben and Shane. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was nice to be able to to be able to have that sort of um, transition from football, uh, from school into football. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. my two brothers, Ben and Shane, with the Broncos before me. So, um, you know, the transition. I, I, I actually, I it was it was really weird because when I went down there as a 17 year old kid from school and walked into the dressing sheds um, to start my career at the Broncos. All the first graders knew who I was because From you know, Ben and Shane and yeah. Ben and Shane was was already there. So yeah. my transition again was you know, from school into you know, going to into an organisation like the Brisbane Broncos, yeah, you know, probably the number one um, sporting club in the, in Australia at that time um, under the guidance of Wayne Bennett. How powerful they were! They're they're a powerhouse in rugby league. Um, yeah, you know, probably Collingwood. AFL mm. were probably the same sort of size club yeah. and yeah, well-known yeah. clubs in Australia. So um, yeah, to be able to walk into that club and sort of you know, know the know the players, you sort of got a little bit confident. At one stage there, at the Broncos, you, Shane, and Ben all all played together. Yeah, it's the first time actually. I played in a game in two thousand and I think it was two thousand and one, or it might have been even two thousand, where um, the Broncos played the played the um, the Canterbury Bulldogs. And we played them in Sydney, and in the Broncos team there was me, Ben, and Shane, three brothers. Yeah. And we played against the Canterbury Bulldogs, and we played against the Hughes brothers. So um, it's never ever happened um, at the elite level, at the NRL level, that three brothers get to play against three other brothers and be in the same field at the same time. Um, you know, 
sharing the field in one team and sharing the field in the other team with the three brothers and, you know, I, 170 I recall, years. I can't recall any other sports that that's happened in England. Yeah, nah. well, probably, yeah. Well, nah. the, the Burgess brothers did it, um, you know, four, four brothers played in one team for yeah. South Sydney a couple of years ago, but I've never heard of three brothers playing against three other brothers, so it's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Was there three Chapel brothers? <coughs> yep. Yeah, three Chapel brothers. Trevor Gregg. Trevor Gregg and what was the other one? Yeah. Ian. Yeah. Was, that, um, was, was that something that you, you, know, you and your brothers sort of spoke about growing up? Like, was that always a dream just to sort of get in? Yeah, like, it was. It was always a dream. Like, we, we grew up in sort of the western part of Toowoomba. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was a little bit, little bit rough around the edges of Toowoomba, um, a lot of crime. So, yeah, we were lucky enough to live a fair way out of Toowoomba to, to get ourselves into trouble. But, um, and we also grew up without a TV, so which is, which is pretty cool. We um, grew up in a bit of acreage, so yeah, we always had something to do you know, before school, after school, weekends, you know, kids from you know, other um, you know, areas or you know, other places around. that We didn't directly have a, have a house right next to us and yeah. you know, we could be as loud as we wanted, we could fought, we could, we could, you know, which we did, we fought each other every day after school. And, yeah, mum and dad used to scream at us and yell at us to, to behave. So, but it was always talked about, you know, at a young age that you know we knew we we could play football. We knew that we we had the talent yeah. um, to play football. And I remember um, Ben, my oldest brother. He was I think he might have been fifteen. You know, playing some pretty good football out at Toowoomba, playing in the you know, the local rep teams and the Queensland teams and then Australian teams. And then there was a, a talent scout for the Brisbane Broncos named Cyril Connell. Um, back then, he was he was touted as the reason why the Broncos had a lot of success early on because he just had an eye for talent. And then he, he sort of latched onto Ben. And then um, at, a, at, age, at the age of 16, Ben was probably the, you know, the number one kid coming through school. So he had... The majority of the NRL teams, he had, yeah, the the um, he had, I think he had about thirteen out of the fourteen teams back then wow. chasing him. Yeah. So yeah, he was a, he was a hot prospect. And then obviously when teams come and watch him play, they hear that you know, he's got two other brothers and a younger brother. Or he's got three other younger brothers there. So we had talent scouts rock up at our place a lot. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, growing up and. Yeah, we always always wanted to play for Broncos and we always wanted to play under Wayne Bennett because we had that connection because he yeah, coached yeah. Dad when we were kids. A question that sort of stems off this and we asked our Beamer last week was, you know, because you've been at a few clubs and obviously, so we talk about mentors and, and that sort of thing, is that who was your favourite coach? Oh, Wayne without a doubt. Um, I probably, if you ask Ben, the <coughs> older brother, he wouldn't say Wayne because they clashed. Wayne okay, and yeah, ben, yeah. And, ben and Wayne clashed all the time. Shane always had that um, respect with Wayne and then Wayne sort of just loved me because I was a little bit loose, a little bit out there and he, he sort of liked those, those yeah, my sort I'd, of behaviour. I'd never, I'd never yeah. pick that for Wayne. But you, but you wouldn't pick it with Wayne. Oh, no. Wayne but <laughs> they he, seem so stern and so like business-like, you know. No, but, but in the inner sanctum, yeah. um, he loves the boys, does everything for the boys. That's crazy, you know, it's, yeah. he, he is um, – and, and the thing is about Wayne, he takes an interest in all his players. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're a superstar like Elfie Langer or you're a young kid coming through. He always takes that interest. He, he shows an interest in your family, which also resonates. Then you go, you know what, I want to play for this man. Yeah. So yeah. he's always got the respect. And, um, yeah, so Wayne was good. I had, I had a lot of coaches. I didn't mind Ricky Stewart. He was Well, right. Ricky Sticky Stewart. Yeah, Sticky. I had him, I had him at the Roosters. But I think the reason why... I've got a soft spot for Ricky is because when I was playing at the Roosters, we got up to some 
mischief off the field and he yeah, used yeah. to he used to look after us. So and but it was good. It was always it was always, you know, it wasn't disrespectful to, you know, anyone. We just did our own thing and he sort of fed off that as well and sort of gave us the leeway in two thousand three, two thousand four. We didn't win the grand finals, two thousand and two, but I wasn't at the Roosters in two thousand and two when they won, but two thousand three, two thousand four. So three years the Roosters yeah. made the grand final under Ricky Stewart and, you know, a little bit of pressure because it's such a well-known big club. Yeah, you know, mm. when you don't have that that win in three and four, um, yeah, we had. A, I think we ended up going from being the grand finalist in two thousand and four to to wooden spoon in two thousand and five. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's a fair drop, and that was yeah, yeah, that was because we were yeah, there was a little bit of in was there a roster fight. change or just a little bit in in house fighting. Um, oh, okay, you know, yep. uh, Brad Fittler, I think Brad Fittler retired in two thousand and four. So yeah, you you lose a superstar like that, and you lose a little bit of direction that he always brought to the team. So yep. that was always it was always tough. But um, yeah, I did I didn't mind my time at the Roosters. We um, we got up to some mischief off the field, but we also played very hard on the field. It, look, I guess that then beckons the call, which was your favourite club. Uh, of well. Now that my little nephew Sam's come through, he got Rookie of the Year in the NRL. Um, he's a fair, he's a fair player. He's playing for the Roosters. I played for the Roosters, so I've got a really soft spot for the Bronx. Um, yeah, yeah. That's where my rookie, yeah, my rookie year, my, yeah, that's where I entered into, yeah, having 14 years of NRL. So I, I've got a soft spot for the Bronx, but I've also, I also like the Roosters, mate. I, yeah, I can't go past, <coughs> yeah. If, if there's a team that I've got to barrack for, it's always going to be someone, blood. Cousin, yeah, yeah, um, you know, nephew. So, yeah, he, I, he's going off like <laughs> that last last season. He just went off. <laughs> but the thing is, like, he's always. I remember, you know, as a kid, like as a you know, six year old kid, he'd sit there and he'd watch he'd, NRL. Oh, but he'd study it and he'd study it, yeah. and it, and it was amazing because you'd sit there and listen to Ben and you'd hear Ben talking about him watching the football with Sam at, at six, and yeah. he'd say, "Hey, Dad." How come didn't they didn't get in the short side because there was a there was a you know a two on three or they had an yeah, overlap they yeah. had they had an opportunity to score in the sideline why didn't they go there yeah yeah why didn't they and then then he would ask go you know why why aren't they going down there dad at six years of age so he knew the game and he's a really smart kid yeah and he's got he's got a couple of brothers and he's got a couple of cousins um, that can also play the game so so they're coming through yeah as well. they're all coming through he's the, he's the eldest of the of the nephews yeah and the and the nieces so. Um, yeah, he's going to forge his way through. He's going to start his own path, but he, and he's done it really well. So you know, you don't enter into probably the toughest rugby league comp in the world um, and dominate the way he did at a 18 year old kid. So he's got a big future. He's got a very, very big future. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty amazing too. That you know, when you're saying that you grew up in sort of the outskirts of Toowoomba, didn't have a TV, so it was like a perfect storm of having your brothers. And because I imagine that. You and your brothers would be different, have different skill sets and stuff. Some weaker in this and stronger in this, but sort of being in that crucible of three kids playing after school, there's talent, but then there's that natural nurturing of talent. Plus, because your dad played, you could just see that possibility in front of you. You know, and that's and that's exactly what you know. Ben and Shane went into the coaching, and they're very good coaches. They give their players the freedom to express themselves, and they don't put shackles on players to you know. I don't do this. They always say, if you're going to do it, back yourself. So there's obviously, there's two ways of coaching people mm. and coaching kids and coaching men. Yeah, if you, give a, if you give a player the confidence to do something, and if they do it wrong, give them the confidence to do it again and back themselves the next time. And that's when, when we were kids, that's all we used to do. And Dad used to go, you know, why, Chris, why'd you do that? And be like, oh, sorry, Dad, should have done it that way. And he goes, no, just next time, back yourself and do it better. 
you know, look, speaking um, last week with Beam, is that one of the things that he found obviously very confronting was that uh, coming as a Warnable boy, moving to the big city, I guess it wouldn't have been so bad coming from the flower city to Woomba into Brisbane, which back then in, well, you played your first game in 99, but I'm not sure when you moved in, but it's a big country town. So the transition probably wasn't as harsh, was it? No, it wasn't because you. I mean, Brisbane's like a big country town anyway. Yeah. You know, so the the transition going down to, to the Broncos. And, and were your brothers already living here? Yeah, yeah. Ben and Shane, they were living in Balimba. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they lived just down the road. So, um, you know, coming down from Brisbane. Mm. Uh, sorry, coming down from Toowoomba to Twimba, watch ben, yeah. to Ben play each week because that's what we'd do. Would, yeah, Ben was playing first grade or playing reserve grade for the Broncos, and then Shane come down and he started playing first grade. So, yeah. we spent a lot of time, you know, from the age of. You know, 12, 13 years of age, I spent a lot of time in Brisbane because most weekends we'd come down and watch the boys watch play after, there, yeah. you know, every second well, weekend. So that then says, how do you take the country boy to the city? So you moved from Brisbane to Sydney. Yeah, um, was, and, was, it, was it an easy transition? Like To Brisbane, yes. To Sydney, no. Oh, okay. To Sydney, no. Because, and, and then when I went in 2006, when I went down and played for Melbourne, that was even worse. And we'll, we'll get into that. I'll get, I'll get into it now. I'll tell you why because when I when I come down because what like my what, what was the what was the difference between Brisbane to Sydney first and foremost and then moving on to Melbourne like well I had I had mum and dad still lived in um, so we bought the puppet crow's nest which is just west of Toowoomba so not the crow's nest in Sydney the crow's nest in Toowoomba um, so this is this is my transition so we grew up in a really tight family like yeah. we are, like me and my brothers are really tight mum and dad are really tight we're very very tight knit family and. Um, when I moved to Brisbane, I only had mum and dad, you know, an hour and 40 minutes up the road. So yeah. if, I, if I wanted to go home, I'd go home. You just take off, yeah. Yeah, you know, when I moved to Sydney, Shane and Ben were down there. And then I still didn't have my little brother Luke. Yeah. Because he was back up here. And then mum and dad were back up here. So it was a two-hour flight, two-hour drive. But then, you, you know, it's, an, it's a full-day trip. So it's four boys, mum and dad. Yeah, four yeah. boys and mum and dad. So, and then when I went to Melbourne, because... This is where I really went off the rails when I was playing for the Melbourne Storm, because I didn't have I didn't have Shane down there because you know we're very very tight and um, you know I didn't have Shane down there I didn't have Ben down there to you know if I, if something went on or went wrong in Sydney I could just drive down to Ben Shane, Ben or Shane's place and catch up have a barbecue have yeah. dinner with my family yeah. and all that sort of stuff but when I moved to Melbourne it felt like I'd moved. Yeah, it felt like I'd moved over to New York. Like, like I felt like I was very isolated, yeah. and that's where I was just like, when but I it, went down to Melbourne. Yeah, there were some things in my personal life that weren't yeah. going really well. The worst thing is, I love I love a punt and I love a drink, and I lived. It took me it took me eight minutes to walk from my from my unit. What, in, to the tab in, or? in South Bank, no, yeah. to the Crown Casino. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, a, that's not just a tab. No, it's a <laughs> very big tab. There's a couple of there's a couple of pokies there, and there's a couple of tables there. So, yeah, like I, I, I was, and this is like you know, I, I, I sort of held a grudge, a, a big grudge, um, towards um, Craig Bellamy because he sacked me. He sacked me in, at the end of two thousand, halfway or well, three quarters away through two thousand and six, because my life outside of football yeah. was was awful and you know I don't think Craig had the tools to come and talk to me at that time because mm. I was just I was so bad like Which was, is odd because himself and and Bennett very are very close right and very similar very very similar so it, it was could be a number of reasons yep. but like it doesn't make sense maybe maybe Belly could fucking you know talk about it 
and, and explain the reasoning of why or blah, blah, blah. But to be able to talk to Bennett and understand exactly where you're coming from might be a different story. But was there, was there no teammates that you could connect with down there or...? Well, there was because I had Mick Crocker down there, so I, oh, I yep, played. Yep. I played footy. Mm. That's Origin boys, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. and I'd play, he'd live with me in the House of Grouse when I was playing for the Roosters. And there was four the House other, of Grouse. Yeah, there was four other players, four other Roosters players, first graders, that lived in that house. We lived in Bondi, but that's another story. We'll probably need another um, <laughs> podcast for that. But um, chapter two, yeah, yeah, chapter two. But you know, like I was, I was down there. I was, I was living with a with a mate of mine from up here. Um, yeah, he, he spent a lot of time away, so I was just I was just just in this unit by myself. So I couldn't just jump in the car and ring my brother and say, "Listen, I'm coming over to have dinner with your family." Yeah. You know? So I was I was isolated. Yeah. I was hanging out a lot with Brendan Vivola. Um, yeah. Hanging out with Big um, Stevie Baker. You know, like so that become my sort of half family because those boys loved to punt down at. Mm. Um, they the, were into it as well, was, right? You know, yeah. Tony Hasham and all the boys yeah. down there, the lovely blokes, awesome dudes, mm. and yeah, you know, that was sort of my crew. Like I'd just go down. Down there, and then you know, I didn't, I didn't really know those boys before I got down there. But then you know, because I was in, at the casino so often playing poker, and they love coming to play poker most nights as well. Yeah. We sort of just got that connection. Like they knew that I, they love their footy. I love my AFL. So we just, we just, we we hit it off. Like all of us just hit it off. And then you know, like yeah, Melbourne would play on a Sunday, and then you know, Favre. At Carlton would play on a, on a Saturday night, and then he go right. Okay, on walks, we're going out. Yeah, knowing that I'm going to play on a Sunday, and yeah. I go out and get on the piss, and you know, and then back up, and then yeah. try and back up and play, and then you know, Craig Bellamy obviously found out that yeah, you know, that's the sort of life I was living, and then yeah. I moved in with Michael Crocker because he was there, and you know, it, it sort of it sort of got a little bit better, but yeah, you know, I, I by then by the time I'd moved into in with Michael Crocker, I'd sort of run my race. I was yeah. done, you know. And, and then I, and at the end of the 2000, and when Craig Bellamy called me into the office and said, "Right, Walks, we're letting you go." There was about maybe five or six games left in the season. I flew back, like literally as soon as he said it. I left all my clothes, everything, you know, back in the hotel, back in the unit with Michael Crocker's where he lived, and where we both lived, and then just flew straight home to to the Gold Coast and lived with Mum and Dad for six months. And yeah. You know, back there, I was back home, I was safe, I felt good. And then you know, Courtney and I got together um, at the end of 2006 when I come home. So if there's a blessing that's come out of 2016, I found my wife and, you know, we've got three beautiful kids. Yeah. So, so did you feel really, was it like a feeling of relief when you got back to... Oh, it was 100%. Yeah. It was like... It was like the weight of the world had just been lifted on my shoulders because I was I was so destructive, like really destructive with myself. Like there were times when the the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. Craig Bellamy dropped me to reserve grade, and and when you got dropped to reserve grade at Melbourne, you had to go and play for North Sydney Bears in Sydney because okay, that was the feeder yeah, club. Yeah. And um, the Brisbane Broncos, my, my pop just died. The Brisbane Broncos were playing on the Friday night against Melbourne in Melbourne, and then I had to play on the Saturday in Sydney because he dropped me. I went out and got absolutely shit-faced. Mm. And then um, I was in a cab going from my house to the um, to the airport to fly to Sydney to play that, that afternoon. And then I halfway to the airport, on the way to Tullamarine, I jumped out of the, jumped out of the, um, out of the taxi and went home and didn't play. Told Crazy. Me, didn't even tell the coach. Males don't talk about their problems. Mm -hmm. Like this is, what, this is why the male suicide rate in Australia is so mm. much higher than women is because, and this is my belief, and I've done a thousand talks on this because this is me. Yes, I've I've suffered from anxiety when I was playing for the uh, playing for the Titans. I got mm. I got put into rehab for three weeks because of my anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, 
and, and my drinking because what I'd do is because I'd walk into a room or a pub or, or something and I'd feel I'd have the anxiety that people were looking at me. So what do people do? What do males do? They go throw down yeah, six yeah. beers to try and deal with that Dutch anxiety courage. and yeah. then all of a sudden you know, you're blind, you get yourself into trouble. But this is what women do and this is my, this is my take on it. Women, women talk about their problems. They'll go, they'll go to a dinner, they'll go to a luncheon with 10 of their mates and you know, there'll be tears, they'll be talking about you know, their life. Mm. They talk about what makes them happy. They'll be talking about what makes them sad. That's what women do. And they get it off their chest. And this is what I do. And Maka, you and I have had the discussion yeah. before. Yeah. I always talk about my problems. I always talk about if I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling unhappy. Because once you get it out there, most of the times when you do talk to your mates about it, and especially males, a lot of them, a lot of them can say, yeah, I, I feel that way too. Mm. Let, you know, that's, it's, not, it's not too hard to talk about. Mm. You're right, Maka, 20 years ago, if a male said to a bunch of their mates, mm. oh, I'm feeling unhappy or I'm feeling sad, you know, they'd be laughed out of the room. Exactly. Yeah. Where the women yeah. have always done it. I probably just wanted to touch on maybe the end of um, footy, you know, and then get out of that is that, you know, as I said, my favourite saying is, uh, walks is, um, you know, I've, I've played six origins, four we'll tries, try. and, and the amount of times I've heard that shit. That's amazing. That makes me feel good. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If, I had a if I had a dollar for every time, I'd be multi. But anyway... Um, you know, look, I mean, obviously that would have been a special part of you. That's probably, you know, you think about any sport, like Olympics are on at the moment, Winter Olympics are on now. I mean, you talk about where you play at the highest level. I was, if I wasn't to, you know, I'll watch AFL. If I wasn't to watch a game of NRL all year, I will watch the Origin Series. So for me, that's the echelons of playing league. Is that, was it for you? Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, we talk about growing up as kids. Yeah. And we talk about growing up, as the, you know, you asked the question before about my brothers and, you know, wanting to play mm. State of Origin. We all wanted to play, uh, sorry, play for the Broncos. But we all wanted to play for Queensland. Every kid who plays regularly in Queensland that either goes for, or any kid who plays rugby league in that matter, whether, you, whether they go for New South Wales or whether they go for Queensland, that's the pinnacle. You want to play, you want to play for your state because at the end of the day when you're playing club you're representing the club you're representing your family and you're representing a small group of supporters a really small group of supporters in the scheme of you know who backs and who goes for what club and whatnot but when you're playing for your state you're playing not Different only for beast. You, yeah. Yeah, you're not only playing for yourself you're playing for your family you're playing for every single person in Queensland that goes for Queensland because as a kid, when I was a kid, and this is why everyone's so passionate about State of Origin, is because when kids see their club teams lose, they don't go to school and cry or they don't go to bed crying. But when I remember when I was a kid and Queensland lost, I was filthy. You gutted. Mm. I was yeah. gutted. Yeah. But when I watched the Broncos and they lost, yeah, you gutted, but you get over it. Yeah. But when Queensland lose, when I was a kid, I was fucking and it's yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's yeah. that amazing is that as an AFL supporter, I'm actually disappointed to see Queensland. <laughs> and there was a stage there where um, I think it was uh, Queensland won eight in a row. So if you were born as a New South Wales kid, oh, um, you're <laughs> eight years old yeah. and you never saw... You never, you never seen saw, New South Wales win a, season, yeah. a series. There were kids there that... Yeah, as an eight-year-old kid, they hadn't seen you so well. Well, you, you played uh, three origins in a row, scored a try in every one. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I was so lucky. That's when, was that when, um, is that when the saying came, uh, adverted commas, walkers on? 
Yeah, it was 2001. That was the one. 2001, yeah. game two. So. so, Walker's on. Walker's on. Walker's on. Walker's on. Pass it on, Hodjo. Hodjo, Walker's on. Watch Walker. Who said that? Was that the trainer? Yeah, that was um, that was Nathan Brown. And, and the thing is, when they'd obviously done the video on, on Queensland and, you know, how would you know, players to watch, like, you know what it's like when you, you know, you're playing AFL or you're playing professional sport, a lot of teams or all teams do videos on the opposition teams to, you know, who's, who's, a, who's, a, who's a danger player or, you know, who's a couple of danger players and, um, you know, I reckon one of the best uh, minds in rugby league, one of the best, not the best, one of the best minds in rugby league is Gus Gould and he was a coach of the New South Wales team. So, you know, for him to have the, the, the trainer run out there when I come onto the field and let the players know that I was on, you know, that's a pretty big... In, in, you know, it's not like it's playing in club league. I was actually playing State of Origin, the hardest game in the year, in like the hardest game you can play. And um, yeah, it was. It's a pretty cool. It's that was a, pretty, a cool call. Though. Yeah, it's a yeah. pretty cool thing. And you know, like I'm 42. That happened, you know, 21 years ago. Yeah. And I get that. I reckon I get it at least once a day. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm always reminded of it. So we we probably moved from footy here. I mean, at the end of the day, is it what, was your last year 211. Yeah, 2011. And 2011. Uh, what happens after then, 2011? You've, you've, you've done your Achilles, you've had a couple of injuries, and you say time's, curtain's closed. Yeah, uh, time's closed. And then, so what happened with, in 2008, I started an earth-moving company because I'd seen, you know, I'd seen my brothers finish football and not have a trade or not have a business or not start something. So I started an earth-moving company with my wife, with Courtney, and, you know, we, we had a pretty substantial business. Yeah. And then, you know, I just got to the point where... I was earning more money each month than what I was, you know, for the full year when I was playing NRL. So, it, like, we just went, you know what, let's, you know, Courtney, we're playing, playing for Parramatta. I was on whatever I was on and the business was just flying. It was going... Which is, which is quite amazing because last week, Beamer said he was earning 10% of, mm. of, of his, his retirement. Yeah. So also he, amazing so, to so start a business when the GFC happened too. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I started it. I started it in two thousand eight when it, wow. when it hit. So, yeah, that that was. But the thing is, when you're playing rugby league, you you've got a lot of people that a lot of successful people in, involved in clubs that want to give you that leg up. They sure. want to they want to help you. Like, yeah. And I found I I worked out at a young age. I was thinking I might have been like twenty five years of age. I was playing for the Roosters, and there were some of the most successful businessmen in the sponsorship room, mm. you know, when, when I, instead of going, instead of going to these sponsors functions, <clears throat> um, you know, and standing around with, you know, 25 of the players that you've, 25 of the blokes that you've just been with all day and the all day that previous and you're training hard and you're playing football with, I started networking the rooms and I started finding out about, you know, people's business. And the thing is the guys in that room, they're in that room for a reason is because they love the club, they love the players. And what I found out really quick is, that if you take an interest in what they do and you find out what they do, there's probably a business that they're gonna use anyway that they'll lead you in and say, listen, yeah. we, we need yeah, we need earth moving equipment. Why don't mm. you start an earth moving um, company? We'll help you, you know, find your feet and get you going and whatnot. Now, not, not so much financially, but just knowledge and yeah, they'll give you a leg up. How was it within terms of when you got out, did, you know, using that networking and getting into that, using your own business, was it easier? Oh, 100% it was. Uh, and I, I make no you know, bones about that. Like, yeah, a lot of the times with my earth-moving business, I'd, I'd, I'd set up a meeting, I'd walk in and 
you know, when, when you say your name, they yeah. sort of know that you know you played football. And a lot of them, and a lot of, them, especially in the construction game, they yeah. all love AFL. They love sport. They yeah. love rugby league. Yeah. They love, they love cricket. They they fr- they do like. Every every Friday or every every Monday, they're all talking about what happened on the weekend. Yeah. You know, come Thursday, Friday, they're, they're all talking about AFL or rugby league or you know whatever sports on the weekend. So it's always in, in the face of, especially in construction, because they're yeah they're, they're a pretty tight knit bunch of those guys. And mm. you know, like I'd walk in and you know the owners of these massive tier one, tier two companies, and mm. you know, you, you, you'd tell them that you got a couple of earth moving a bit of earth moving equipment. Even if you didn't have it, you'd mm. tell them you had it, and then yeah. they'd. Then that then they'd say, listen, we'll give you a purchase order. A purchase order. Can you have it here Monday? And quickly, then you get there the codes higher and higher one. Then you go right. Oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. I don't. I don't have a grader, but I need to go buy one. They need one for Monday. That's why I bring Courtney. I'd say, listen, what's a grader? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, like, I didn't know what a grader was for the first three years, but I, t- I had three of them. So uh, well, it's, it's just funny because when you were t- telling the story about networking and you know hobnobbing with high wealth people and successful people, and you said, yeah, it's not. They wouldn't necessarily give you money, but when you're starting a business, what you need is clients. And how do I set it all up so it's smooth, right? You know? Yeah, that's right. And they, so that's and they're happy. They love to give you that. They love to. They. It's like it's they. It's they use you as a like a little side project or a project to get you going. And in mm. two thousand eight, I was playing for the Gold for the Gold Coast Titans, and um, we had a, uh, a a company called Turf Force. They actually got. They actually end up going belly up. They owed me twenty thousand at the end of it. But they were a they, sponsor. They were right? a sponsor. Okay, but yeah. they but they gave me like. I lost twenty thousand to them, but they they gave me probably five hundred thousand dollars worth of work. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, some people go, oh, you, did, you, "Did you get shitty about losing the 20? I'm like, "No," but I got, you know, I got half a million from them, even when I was starting. That's yeah. a big leg yeah. up. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, but we end up we end up we end up getting pumped. Um, you know, sort of, we were working for Rio Tinto. We we're working for, you know, Origin Energy out there for the gas mines. When you know, when um, you know, when they set up the gas mines from. Uh, Roma chinchilla, and then mm. you know, exporting it out of out of out of um, Gladstone. So, yeah, we we had a, we had a fair ride, but um, yeah, now yeah, obviously leading into into what you yeah. can ask me next. Yeah, oh, no, I'm not going to ask you next because I actually had to re- rewind because I just I, I forgot one little snippet because you know we talked about going from Toowoomba, Brisbane, Brisbane, Sydney, Sydney, Melbourne. But there was another phase in that life too. You went over to France and played for the Cattle and Dragons. How was how was that sort of moving to another country? Actually, Courtney and I were talking about this the other day. Like, yeah, like yeah, Courtney uprooted a whole life to follow what I, follow my dream yeah. into a different, not not just a different state. That was your last crack because you couldn't get an NRL um, yep. contract, so that was to go to France. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then I went over there, and then I ended up finishing. I, I I just said to my manager, I'll get back, I'll get to that story, yeah. but I just said to my manager. I want one more year in the NRL. Sign me to Parramatta for yeah, peanuts. But yeah, getting back to the French story, I had the opportunity to move over there, and yeah, you know, I think yeah, you know, I walked into Courtney and said, "I've got yeah you know, a big decision to make. I can stay here at the Gold Coast Titans. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, we're all where Courtney's family are and my family are, and yeah, you know, that that yeah, you know, we could have just stayed in our comfort zone. And I said, or we can go live in France and." So you just so, uproot everything. Courtney's like, uprooted yeah, my, you let's know, go. <laughs> we had a two-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, Courtney goes right over. Just, just took it like an absolute champion. Just goes right over. Yeah. Guess what? We're moving to France. And how, <laughs> and, how, how, how was that? It was unbelievable. It was good. It was really good. Um, yeah. But the the worst thing, you know, looking back at it now, um, you know, we had we got we got three kids. 
um, Harper, our oldest, was two years of age. And then we got over to France and I think within the first three or four weeks, Courtney fell pregnant. Yep. And then I don't have twins. Courtney doesn't have twins in a family and we fell pregnant with twins. So Crazy. virtually yeah. for the whole time that we're in France, Courtney was pregnant with, with, with twins. So, you know, the, <laughs> it was funny too because over here when you when you yeah when your partner falls pregnant you go in and you have the checkups and the doctor says oh listen don't eat cured meat don't eat cheeses yeah no salamis <laughs> no, no salamis no, no, yeah, nothing yeah. you know don't eat don't drink red wine don't drink white wine whatever don't drink alcohol we go over there That's falls, all they preg- do. falls pregnant <laughs> And obviously, yeah, the food is amazing over there because we were down south of France on the Mediterranean. We're oh, wow, a little yeah. little place yeah. called Perpignan. And uh, we went into the doctor. He had a very, very sort of harsh uh, French accent, but he could speak English as well, so it was pretty cool. And then Courtney's like, pregnant? He goes, yep, you're pregnant. And, she goes, and we had the screen on and he was doing the ultrasound. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure, I'm thinking to myself, there's pretty sure there's two in there. And he goes, you know, you know what you're looking at? And Courtney's like, nah, nah, what am I looking at? And I'm like, twins? And he goes, two. And then I look down at Courtney and I'm like, I'm like yes. <laughs> and I look down at Courtney and Courtney's like, nah. <laughs> she just starts. I'm going to get two of these yeah, out of here. she's like, she just starts <laughs> Double <crying>. trouble. <laughs> and she just starts crying. And then, wow. yeah, we go to the next consultation and Courtney's like, okay, so, you know, back in Australia, we can't have the cheeses, we can't have the salamis, we can't eat drink, we can't. He's like, no, no, no. You drink, you eat, you wow. uh, all the cured meats, all the all the chair, like the food over there is amazing. And then he goes, I must admit, I couldn't get into the escargots. I didn't mind oh, the, no, the frog legs. I didn't have two things: escargot yeah. and frog legs. And then he goes, you can have everything. You can have all the cheeses, the wines, everything. Just stay away from cats. <laughs> the only thing he was worried about was saying it was was if we had cats. He goes, "You got no cats, no cats." Yeah. I'm like, "No, what the hell? What you, you let her drink?" He goes, "Yeah, you let her have wines. Yeah, you let her." He have gives you a bit. prescription with wine on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I know. And but you, but you go out like you, you know. Mm. And then where we were, obviously Mediterranean was nice and whatnot. And you know, the the girls there, they'd be. There'll be a couple of girls on the team that were pregnant and they're, you know, they're having their wine and they're because it's so it's healthy. It's so pure over there. Like That's so crazy. Every, all yeah. the food is yeah. really natural. It's that Mediterranean healthy. diet sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. So, all right. so Courtney's we're... like, yes, how good is this? Just stay away from the cats. I can drink. <laughs> did you did you have the kids over there? No, we we end up we end up coming back to Australia and, okay, yeah. and we had the kids. We um so we moved back and then we I again I didn't know if I was gonna play NRL again and we move, end up moving back to Toowoomba for a couple of months and Courtney felt, you know, obviously had the, uh, the twins in Toowoomba. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a kick. That's a, a whirlwind. It's a whirlwind, yeah, yeah. So France. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is a whirlwind. Well, I mean, I'd, you sort of say, you know, when do you get to chapter two? Walks took on this challenge. So it was probably about how many months ago was the, the challenge? It started in um, January, February, March, April, May. May and so um, quite amazingly was this started with this fun more challenge, yep. which was a uh, an app with, you know. So it's, it's the, organi- the organisation is called Fun My Challenge. Yeah, yeah and, the, challenge? and there's, a, yeah. there's you name what are the groups in it? What are the Beyond Blue? Yeah, so what happened was we, uh, the, yeah, the Fun yeah. My Challenge is a, it's a it's a platform that raises money for charities, foundations, and people in need. So 
I'd obviously seen what happened with Celeste Barber with the with the bushfires in New South Wales. Yeah, and yeah. The, the the giving process it's it's a very confusing giving process. As there's some charities out there that don't do what they say or where the money's supposed to go and all that sort of stuff. And I just I just remember seeing the Celeste Barber story. She yeah she wanted to start a campaign that she wanted to raise a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and she had the intention to to give it to families that had lost. You know, to rebuild houses that they'd lost during the fires. And she nominated the New South Wales Royal Fire Brigade um, as a beneficiary of, of her 100,000. Now, what happened with that 100,000, what happened with that campaign, it quickly grew through her you know, famous network in America and Australia. And at the end of it, she ended up raising $53 million. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. From a 100 grand from target. A, from a 100 grand target. She, she put $53 on that million. And, and nominated the, guy, the New South Wales Royal Fire Brigade. But in the New South Wales Royal Fire Brigade's constitution, they can only spend that money um, within their organisation, which, which, which she didn't know about. Right, so it's not her fault because I think and, and firemen it, are pretty good at partying. And, 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 and yeah. it's nothing bad. It, like this is not anything bad that the New South Wales. Yeah. But in their concert, it's, it's it's new trucks, training, and new equipment, yeah. which is great because next time there's a fire in New South Wales, you got everything you need. They're going to have yeah. everything they need. Yeah. But she, but you know, it came out that she wanted to build the houses for communities and build you know community centres that, that had been you know lost during the fires. So that yeah, there's there's nothing bad about it. like that. What she, she had the right was, intentions. She had the right intentions along, yeah. in New South Wales. So the conflict was just in the rules that the money had to be spent. Yeah, and the in their constitution, yeah, right, okay. they ca- they couldn't spend it. But so we just. Yeah, we got our heads together with a couple of mates of mine and we started Fun My so Challenge. So we've got Joel Parkinson. Yeah, Parko's a part Sorry, of Sorry, mate, can I ask you, just sorry to interrupt, how long ago was this? So we, um, well, when did the fire, was, was it 2019? Yeah, the fires yeah, yeah. Through? So we started working on it back then and then we launched um, 2001. So we, yeah. we were working on the back. Yeah, so we were, yeah, 2021. So we were working on the back of, um, you know, we'd obviously done a lot of work, a lot of, mm. um, you know, um, you know, a lot of research on you know charities. So yeah, we've we've got some really good charities on board. So you've They've got, got you've got uh, who was it? Joel Parkinson. Par- Parkos in, yeah, Joel uh, Parkinson, Lincoln, got, uh, Lewis, Lincoln Lewis, Lincoln Lewis, yeah, myself. Um, we've got a couple of other guys um, that that are a part of it as well. So you know, um, Nate Moles, he's got a little, yeah, he, you know, he's in, in there as well. And then we've got. I think we've got about. Hey, Nate, f- Nate, if you're out there listening, you're a gun. Yeah, he's a, uh-huh. yeah, he's he's a gun. Um, Mate, have you got Wim, Wim Hof on there as well? Yeah, so what we did um, last November, we started a campaign called the Freeze Off Challenge for Mental Health. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but um, one of my mates, um, you know, we, we got talking about doing this Freeze Off Challenge. We had Harvey Norman on board to donate because how it all started, I wanted to do a, like, a, like a Freeze Off Challenge or, no, or like a ice bath challenge and we had to jump in there for however long you wanted to and I had a, you know, Harry Bink from Nitro Circus. I had the Stafford brothers, I had Brooke Evers, um, Joel Parkinson, myself, Lincoln Lewis, uh, Benny Hennett. So I had a massive amount of ambassadors mm. that Harvey Norman jumped on board and said, listen, do you need, uh, do you need deep freezers? Because, you know, they change, the, they, they yeah. have a deep freeze and they make it into an ice bath. That's right. And then one of my mates who was mates with Wim Hof just goes, why don't we call it the Wim Hof talent, Challenge and I'll get Wim Hof to do it. Mm. And then he did it, and then it just went viral, like it went all over the world. So, and we raised—I I, I don't know the exact figure, but we raised a lot of money for White Cloud, which is 
you know, mental health in, a, yep. in Australia. That's so, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is which was awesome for them because they got not only did, did they get a lot of exposure. I think that yeah, one or one or two hundred followers on Instagram, and they Instagram took off, and yeah, we're on the Today Show. Um, Russell Brand was doing it. You know, Dominic Purcell. Like there was all these mega stars jumping mm. in ice bars for freeze off, and we did it for 40 seconds, yeah, had to do it for 40 seconds because I didn't know this, which is a pretty horrific stat, stat that somewhere, someone somewhere around the world takes their life every 40 seconds. Wow. Which is a massive stat. Mm. Like, you know, we talk about, we talk about COVID, we talk Shit. about, you know, the, I think we had, what, we had 2,500 deaths in Australia in two years when, you know, there was probably 2,500 deaths in, you know, a couple of months in yeah. Australia because, yeah. Yeah, and well, and this the the forty seconds wasn't people in Australia dying; it was worldwide. Right. So yeah, just to be clear, it wasn't just an Australian challenge; it was a worldwide challenge. And yeah, we got some very very good recognition out of that, and yeah, you know, sort of launched the platform off the back of my you know, what we're talking about. So yeah, it was and then, yeah, that's and amazing. Then, and then you actually took it on Cairns to the Gold Coast. Yep. Part of that was obviously. Um, landing on a certain date, 26th or 27th of June, I think, um, yeah, State, in, of at, at State of Origin, uh, to do a lap. But, uh, mate, a um, bit of prep, uh, getting ready for it. And then, like, I've got to say, like, with Nate Miles did half. Or, or, yeah, so yeah. Nate, Nate, like, Nate Miles, I love him. I got talking to him probably maybe six weeks away from, from me taking off from Cairns. And he's a Cairns boy just out of, uh, just out of Cairns, Gordon Vale. And, he goes, um, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing a walk for charity. He goes, where from? I said, Cairns to Gold Coast. He said, how long does it take to walk from Cairns to Townsville? I said, oh, about 12 days. He goes, oh, good. I'll do, I'll do the first 12 days with you. Wow. And then and I said, That's mate, it. you better tell Tess. And he rang Tess and I could hear her saying, you're not doing it. You're yelling, <laughs> giving it to him over the phone. Yeah. Hangs up and he goes, right, I'll come with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Anyway, so, yeah, we, we did the walk. It was it was during COVID, so we did it for mental health, we did it for um, Domestic Violence, Alcohol and Drug Foundation uh, and the Global Awakening. So I'd nominated four charities for my walk, so. What, what's the Global Awakening? Yeah, it's a, it's a charity, it's a benevolent fund. Um, now, a benevolent fund, you're allowed to, as a benevolent fund to uh, fund my challenge, yeah. you're allowed to donate money to a, a person. So, um, you know, so that was, that was why I did it, because I wanted to give money to, you know, other people as well, not just the charities that yeah. I'd chosen. So... Did you have to train for it at all? Yeah, just... I, I did a little bit of training, like for maybe for a year. And, and when I started doing this, I you know, started waking up at five o'clock in the morning, get up at quarter to six, then I'd go for a walk, maybe six or seven k's, and that was just my routine. Yeah. And then, yeah, I had no intentions back then to walk from Cairns to Gold Coast. Which was 30 k's. I'd walk 30 k's every single day, mm. um, you know, for 71 days. But then mm. there were some days there where I had off. So you know, your yeah. 71 days it doesn't add up to to 1900 k's. But yeah, you know, there were some days where I did 15 k's or the daily mindset. Yeah. Tell me about that's, where your mind a, goes. Tell me a, where your mind goes. That's a really good question because what happened was I'd set me alarm for five o'clock in the morning. The, the <laughs> hardest part of my day, the hardest part of my day, was the first two minutes. Me always open in the morning, you know. I'd wake up, I'd go, right, I've got to do this again. And then it's funny because then you, you know, I'd turn my phone from aeroplane mode on to you know, normal and then the messages would start coming through social media. Mm. And, you know, people would be, 
inspired. So mm. you'd, you'd, you'd read their stories while you're laying in bed or, you know, you know, for five or ten minutes, you'd lay in bed and you'd read the stories and you go, right, okay, I've got a job to do because if I don't do it, these guys who are sending me messages aren't going to be inspired anymore and, you know, they're probably going through some demons. So that was that was a big driving force for me to get out of bed, you know, put my... My, uh, my joggers on, you know, put my skins on, put my, you know, all that sort of stuff on, um, you know, so that was, that was my, that was my routine. And then, and then as soon as I got with my team, because my dad drove the front car, so I had three cars, um, you know, one, one in front, one behind me, and then one sitting maybe two or 300 metres behind, and that, and what he used to do, um, big Will Van Os, what he used to do, he's an ex-car, <laughs> he's an ex-truck driver, he'd be on the two ways to all the big rigs to yeah, you know, just to let them know that we're on the road, you know, to keep yeah, us safe. Yeah. So, you know, I had, a, I had a really good team with me mm. as well and, you know, Adam Varactaris, he was the project manager. So, um, you know, I had, a, I, had a, I had a team that relied on me to go out there and do, you know, the yeah. 30Ks. And just to, as I said, just to put in perspective as to how hard this was, is that I stupidly, I don't know even how this happened, but... I said to Walks, look, I'll do two days with you now. That's <laughs> probably the stupidest comment I've ever made in my life. He, and I, he said it like I, that I, to me. I said, I oh, what are you doing? Oh, I mate, I'm going to go for a walk with Walker. I went, yeah. oh, walk with Walker. I thought nice. it'd be okay. Like yeah. 30Ks, what's that? Okay, we're just walking it. But no, <laughs> Walks has to put rules in it. When you get to a bridge, bridge you've you got to run the bridge. You've got to run the bridge. But you know, you know what? I didn't come <laughs> up with that rule. So this is, this is an eight miles rule, right? So we, we come out of Cairns. We, we get to the first bridge and Nate goes, why don't we run every bridge? So I've run every single bridge from Cairns to Gold Coast except for two. Mm. I didn't run the William Jolly Bridge and I didn't run um, the Tullabudger Bridge on the Gold Coast because I ended up walking. I wasn't supposed to walk. I, I, was, I was supposed to finish at Broadbeach. Two days before I finished, Joel Parkinson rings me and goes, walks. You can't just stop at Broadbeach because I live at Crumbin. He said, you can't just stop at Broadbeach. He said, why don't you walk to your front door? That way you can say you've walked from <laughs> Cairns to your front door. So I end, up, I end up taking on that little challenge at the end and that yeah. was just, just a personal thing sure. for me to, to go out and say that, yeah, what, I've walked from Cairns CBD to my front door but and it so, took me 71 days. So to understand the pain, did the first day, 30Ks. So I meet at Yandy, you know, we've got a, I think, oh, Gimpy, we've, we've run through Gimpy. Yeah, Gimpy. And, the streets are hell, they're just all hills. So anyway, we're going through there and and um, 30 k's are done. So we, we go to the pub, Yandina pub, we're just having a dinner. It starts at 7 a.m. and finished by 11, 12, whatever. We've gone to the local leagues club and of course everyone knows Walks and anyway, Walks has gone to bed early. I've gone there with his brother Shane. <laughs> and so um, anyway, the thing was that Walks smacks on my door about 6.30 in the morning because you've got to meet down for 7 o'clock start. Anyway, oh, so you had another day to go? Yeah. Yeah, I said I'd do two days. So oh, the first, you stayed the first, the first day, Linny... I think you, I think you first, caught in about <laughs> five. No, <laughs> no that's, not, that's not true. So I'll, I will tell the truth. But anyway, Linny did the first day with us. But the thing is that I actually couldn't... Walks is smacking on the door. I actually couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> I was like the tin man out of the Wizards of Oz. Like I was seized up. One day. Oh, from the walk. The, yeah, from the, from mate, the, yeah, I was the day in, before. Yeah. I was in agony, but the thing was I'm lying in bed, I'm lying there and going, I did promise him I'd do 30Ks, but <laughs> I, I, like I can't, I'm, like I'm in agony. The funny thing was, so I jumped in the car, they'd probably, they'd probably done 5K yeah, probably or whatever. Yeah, 5K. Anyway, I drove the car up because I knew they'd be up, turn around, drove, pulled into the side, 
and they came over the hill and I just had my hands in the air. <laughs> well, like, I, he's alive. <laughs> he's alive. We'd have already, we'd already, already been and, going for 5Ks. Like, yes, Mac and, is alive. And we just uh, we just did the last lot. But, the, you know, like this is telling about the fitness of the guy in terms of like I'm talking two days that killed me is yeah. that we were one time, we, as you said, the three cars were there. Yeah. And I said to walk, so I just, I need a, a bottle of water. So I tried to, the three cars are only going like 10 or yeah, 15 K, yeah. you know, mm. they're only just, the first one's there just as a, like a, like a guide. I guess a yeah. guide. The second one there is to protect you against getting hit. Mm. And, and the third one's there to talk to the, the truck drivers. So I walk says, well, the, the water's up in the front car and it's maybe 50 meters away. And so I've started to try and jog up, <laughs> jog up to the, to the car. I, I got about, it was like the Thunderbirds. I got about t- yeah. 10 metres. I come back and said, Walks, I can't make it. So, so Walks, Walks had to run up. Ran, he ran all the way up to the car, came back with a bottle of water, going, what the fuck is going on here? This guy, how fit is he? You're talking he did this for 71 days. 71, 71 days. Mm. I did two days. Mm. And, getting- I, and I didn't even do the second day. I probably did 20K of that, you know. Like the thing is that uh, that's a big ask mentally. Yep. And that's a big ask physically where you probably even said to yourself, I don't know if I could do this. But, you know, day, the, day 10? No, 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 it was the first day. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. It was the, it was the, it was the first day yeah, yeah. because we left Cairns and it was pissing down rain and it yeah. pissed down rain for three days. The first three days it pissed down rain. So, and that's important. Right. So, yeah, yeah so I, I was... Rain, right? Chafe, like all the chafe, the blisters. You know, for the first, I'd say maybe 25 days, um, the first one to 5K was was torture. Like it was really, really mm. bad because, yeah, you got your blisters, you got your chafe. And then you just, you get... Was it, was it in summer or winter or...? No, it was coming, it was coming out of summer into, mm. into inner winter. So right. what's that? Awesome. Autumn. Yeah. autumn, yeah. So it was, it was, it was virtually during autumn. It's um, North Queensland in summer. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. So we end up, yeah, we end up going all right. But yeah, like you, yeah, you know, the the first twenty five days, the blisters on your on your mm. feet, the blisters on your heel, your chafe, your toenails, your ass, your, <laughs> your everything's just everything hurts. And there's no, you can't, yeah, you can't just go. You know what? I'm just gonna stop you can't you couldn't stop but it's amazing what your mind does it, it, it's honestly your mind's a really really powerful thing if you Absolutely. let you if you let your body tell your mind that's that it's sore and stop and you don't you're not going to go any further mm. then you're going to stop but Would you do, your body your body so your body will always your body will just keep on going like mm. your, your body will go until it's broken if your mind keeps keeps telling you to do it i, I talk about a book called it mm. where it's so simple to read and it's a power of power of getting over it. Yeah, it is, and that and that's what that's what every day. Like, I was just in, I got just you just your body just and your mind. So your mind just gets into that that rhythm. Right, I've I've told my body to stop, and it just keeps on going. Mm. So you, it's amazing. Yeah, you, you know, that's but I mean that's the thing with as you know my you know our friend Tom who's hopefully going to be on the next podcast. So Tom Robinson, twenty two year old kid decided at a young age that he would, he would be the youngest guy to row across the Pacific Ocean with a boat that he's built by his own hands, yeah, right? and it's a beautiful boat too. Yeah, beautiful. But I was talking to him about, you know, because he was saying similar. He was saying, oh, I'll probably be rowing 13 hours a day. And he was saying there's no point training for it. The training is, the, is when you do it, right? Because it was probably built up to it. 
but like you, I think I think when people when you say to people, oh, I, I did this thing, right, eighteen hundred walk or you know five thousand mile, what you can't really convey to somebody is is the relentless. It's thirteen fucking hours in your brain in your yeah. own head where your head will say, oh, yeah, come on, it's not that worth it, is it? Like, no. Mm. Jeez, I could really stop right now, you know. And it's that overcoming on a moment. And almost it's like it's easier to stop your brain thinking than it is to have the conversation. And look, I will say um, I only met Shane, Chris's brother, um, at at this uh, Yandina pub anyway. um, (laughs) No, 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 look, we we met on the walk for that day, but, you know, Shane and I had a couple. So the thing was the next day when uh, they come over the hill, Shane was really rapt to see me because he was was in a world of grief. And, like, you're talking about another guy that's played a lot of sport, you know, and... um, Again, he just said, you know, like it, it's amazing again how the brain just, you know, like he just said, oh, you've just pepped us up to get, another, get us going another 5K. <laughs> because the thing is that some things are chemical imbalance and some things are actually just your brain playing tricks. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and at the end of the day, like what Chris did with, with the walk mm. is that his brain's going to play tricks on him. Yeah. But he beat the tricks. Because oh, I'm going to say with categoric... Don't know how he did it because mm. it, was, was, yeah, it, was it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. Tough. Yeah, it was brutal. It yeah. was, but it was fun. Like it was, mm. like there were a lot of people watching. And, and you know, you talk about a lot of. I'll get to a little bit of psychology. Um, you know, especially in sport, if you do something wrong, you got fans that are gonna absolutely. Especially with social media, we talk about mental health with males, yeah. and we talk about mental health, like you do yeah, something wrong. It's reputational damage. It's, it's bad. Whereas if you can block that out, it's amazing when you, that when you release that is, those endorphins and you release that serotonin and in, in your brains you've got that nice balance, and you do that you do the walk and you're getting you're getting, getting you know, a bit of kudos yeah, for yeah. it. Like I don't not that kudos really worry me, but you know, people are saying oh you're, you're inspiring me. Yeah, that's mm. when you go you know what. Okay, can I can't. Through. I can't let someone down. It's beyond you. It's beyond. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Because you've me. you've had negative comments. I've had plenty. Because of negative when comments. you left the rabbit hose, you had death threats. I was having death threats. Hey? That was so how'd you deal that with was that? A, that was a that was a really interesting part of my life. And yeah, we talk about Wayne Bennett at the start of this podcast, and yeah, the influence he has on me. Now I remember you know, I was twenty one years of twenty two years of age, and I was getting death threats when I when I went to the South mm. Sydney, yeah. and. I didn't know how to like. I didn't know how to deal with them. Just a country kid from Toowoomba, like, and you know, playing footy is not. Yeah, you, know, you, you can't yeah. go kill someone because you don't like the way that they play the football. Team. Yeah, or yeah. you change the team. I remember, I remember one of the death threats. You know, specifically, you know, had the cutouts of the of the of the. Of the what know, the fucking newspaper cutouts? Shit, shit like fucking That's magazine. That's fucking shit. Yeah, I, I had that. So like, you've actually experienced opening a letter. Is this yeah. like a movie? Like? You look, you're looking around the teammates going, oh, that's crazy. we got him again, we got him yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, laughing. But it was actually serious, like to the point where one of the, one of the, one of the death threats said, listen, mate, when you play football this weekend, we're going to shoot you coming down the sideline. <sighs> so, you know, catching the ball going, fuck, am I dead? No wonder you, know? you run so fast. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Well, you know, or like, you know, you, you know, after the game when you walk to your, when you walk to your car, we're going to stab you. Like just, just shit like that. You go, fuck, you know, we're only playing rugby league. You know, we're only playing sport. We're not, you know, we haven't yeah. haven't done anything bad to your family. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, fanatical. it's fanatical yeah. and a bit psycho too. But I remember, I remember. Oh, it's a fair bit psycho. I remember ringing Wayne about it. Like obviously, you know, close spoke to my dad and my mum and my brothers. 
you know, they're the first person I can, you know, um, talk to about it. And then I ring Wayne. I said, right, Wayne, this is what's happening. He goes, right, Chris. He said, just let me tell you this. He said, no one's going to say that they're going to, no one's going to write a letter to you that, and tell you that they're going to kill you and they're actually going to kill you. He said, the ones that don't say anything, yeah. they're the ones you're going to worry, worry about. about. And I was yeah. like, fuck, there could be a couple of those. <laughs> Classic example of, well, what I really want to say is I really love you, mate. Yeah. Don't Please don't go. go there. But I'm going to have to cut out so, this newspaper yeah, now. And, and kill go. you. <laughs> so moving on, on to Chapter 2, we're, we're doing the walk. And, like, this is how well it was timed, was that uh, Walks had organised the State of Origin 26th, 27th of June. I'm not sure the exact 27th. date. 27th. 27th. Is, uh, he arrives at... So this is how planned it was. I arrive at... Or he arrives. Walks arrives at uh, State of Origin. Queensland's playing New South Wales. So yeah, yeah. in my mind, as I said previously, is that... Where was, uh, this, where was this game? Blank Suncorp. Blank oh, was it? Yeah, Suncorp. Suncorp. Yeah, yeah. So turned up, lap. You know, and then off he goes again for the walk. So, like, it was a well-orchestrated thing, which was fun, my challenge, and your, your, yours was Beyond Blue. Yeah, so we did it for Beyond Blue, obviously. The things that COVID has done to society and Beyond Blue was one rise up domestic violence had seen a massive increase with domestic violence and obviously alcohol and drugs yep. had seen a massive increase because people were losing their job. They turned into the piss and turned into, you know, try and get themselves back into that... Yeah. yeah, out of that, what was actually out of reality. Yeah. So, yeah, that, those organisations that I did it for were obviously seen a massive increase in, in what they were doing. So it was pretty easy for me to do for those. And that was another reason why it was easy in the – not easy, it wasn't easy, but that's another thing that drove me to yeah. to do the walk every day. Mm. So it was, it, was, it was, like, fulfilling. So, if, you know, not many people can say they walk from Cairns to oh, the Gold Coast. And so. Well, I can't. Um, yeah. I you from, did a couple I of I walked days, from Gippy to Yandine or something. Yeah. Moving on from there, we get to the final stage of where you are at the moment. Yep. So you've ventured into Ariane Vodka, which is a, a culmination of a few friends. Yeah, again, um, you know, I, we, it's funny because I started, we started talking about Fun My Challenge and then um, I was introduced to um, a bloke by the name of Sean Chute and he, he's, a, he's a solicitor by trade and he's, uh, he just started making vodka and gin in his backyard, got the recipe passed down for his, from his granddad. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I mean, everyone loves having, loves having a drink and I enjoy, I enjoy vodka and I, my vodka of choice was uh, Belvedere and Grey Goose. And, yeah. and I just got introduced to um, this vodka that he was making. He was doing in his own backyard. Which I am drinking yes, right now. Yes, which you're drinking yeah. right now. We um, are all. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I have to say, mate, because I'm not really a big drinker at all and I'm half smashed. <laughs> this is a really, smooth, really yeah. smooth. Mm. It hasn't got any spikiness to it, really, no, has it? it's not. And, that, and that's where when, when we first started talking about it, it just started as a, you know, three mates just sitting around and, um, you know, Dan, Dan, my business partner, goes, Chris, you got to taste this vodka. He said, you love vodka. And he said, I hate vodka. I said, I, I can't stand it. He said, this is the only vodka I drink. And without him saying where he got it from, which is Sean is his brother-in-law, okay, yeah, he goes, yeah. here, walks, taste this. He goes, but he didn't tell me where it come from. He just wanted me to taste it, wanted, wanted to see my reaction. And I just said to him, mate, this is... Like what is this? He goes, this. He goes, mate, I said, doing this vodka is it's fucking, fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's ice. Yeah. I said, where'd you get this from? He goes, Sean makes yeah. it. I was like, righto, let's go to Sean's place. One because I want to get smashed, but two, yeah. I actually want to see where he made it. That's right. And yeah. we walked out. We walk into his backyard, and he's got this little distill that he's that mm. his granddad gave it to him, 
and you know he he worked on the recipe and mm. all that sort of stuff and how he does it. I haven't asked him how he does it. I don't want to know because that's his it's family. That's his head. That's his secret. He's yeah. Obviously, he's my partner in it. And mm. you know, there's the three founders. Yeah, I've got Nate Miles. He's a part of it because I, I want him to be a part of it because he's a good dude. We've got three other guys um, that are invested into it as well. So we just wanted to. I, I, one of the comments that Dan and I said to Sean, like, you can't drink this and keep it to yourself. Yeah. Like that's how good it is, and like mm. we're all enjoying it here tonight. Yeah. Oh, that's like great. it's it's a it's a smooth vodka. And I said, mate, this is really good. Mm. I said, you sure you didn't buy a top end vodka and pour it in my glass? Yeah. He goes, no. He said, come out here and have a look. So sure enough, we walk out there. He's got his little his little distill going, and yeah, you know, Dan and I were talking. And I said, mate, listen, is there any chance you could do this at commercial quantities? quantities. And he goes, yeah, because he's a solicitor by trade. He's very smart. He goes, yeah, no worries. He said, we just need the fermenters. We need the um, still. We need everything. And, you know, I'll put it together. I've got the recipe. I know how to do it. And then now, yeah, we launched it. We launched 11 weeks ago. We're in um, we're in 60 venues straight away. So the thing is with, with the vodka, it's it's a pure vodka. Like, you, it's it's so nice. But we, I actually really like drinking it on the rocks. That's that's my favourite. Um, mm. Like, you don't need to add... You don't need to add, add your lemonades or your, or your vodka lime mm. and sodas. You, I have it straight on the rocks and... It's just a, such a smooth vodka, but yeah, yes. we've we've gone into we've gone into the uh, into the cocktails, and they're really starting to take off. So hopefully, hopefully, um, yeah, it becomes the cocktail of choice. You know, a lot of walks, and I know a few people in the industry, industry. Uh, in terms of nightclubs, and it's quite hard to get past the Grey Goose Belvedere yeah. image it, it, because it sticks but, with them, though. But that was the myself. idea of uh, cocktails, is because people don't really care what vodka you put in. And the thing is, the first thing I said to Walks is exactly what you said then mm. is, it's the first vodka I can have, actually have it neat. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did that at um, our mate's, uh, Michael's place at um, Massimo. Is it, yeah. uh, we, had, we had it straight and I said, I can't believe this is, so it, look it is. And so anyone out there who's looking, get the Ariane vodka. Um, and that's not a singer. It's actually, um, it's actually, what, it's actually one, of my, one, of, one of my points when we do start talking to venues that we yeah. want to come into and you know, you know, you're either talking to the bevy, uh, bevy man, manager or you're talking to the manager or the owner. Mm. And the, the first thing they say, right, give me the spiel. So give them the spiel, right, it's, a, it's a, an Australian produced vodka. It's premium. It's absolutely delicious. And they say, well, well you know, what's it taste like? And I'll, and I'll often say, listen, grab your Grey Goose, grab your Belvedere, Bring it down here next to my Ariane. Put out three three shot glasses. Then you tell me exactly yeah, what yeah. you think. Every single one of them, and then and they don't say it because yeah you you're there. They actually look at you and go, Chris, you got a really good product here. Your Ariane vodka beats those two. I drink those other two ones, but now that I drink Ariane, I don't mm. I don't want to go back to there because. Yeah, well, one it's mine, and then obviously it's better than both of them. I probably can't say that publicly, but it's better. No. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, welcome to our sponsors, Belvedere and Gogos. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Ariane. Ariane vodka. Sorry about <laughs> next week. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, look. If you can't uh, get Ariane vodka, yeah, then no, Grey Goose is a great substitute. No, no. <laughs> you can't get Ariane it's vodka. Not a wait for Ariane. It's not a substitute. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked from 1999 to uh, 2022, so we're 23 years of the lives of Chris Walker, Walker's on. Um, from footballer to my favourite saying, six origins, four tries, tries to, uh, um, to excavator, 
um, to, to walk, walk, walk in the distance, to just to, go on uh, yeah. to, to, to entrepreneur of bringing out some vodka, is you've had a you've had an amazing life, Chris. Yeah. So we got five for five. Righto. All right, you ready? Yep. Have you ever used your name to get in somewhere? Hundred percent, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually finish with, "Don't you know who I think I am?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I was at the pub last week. <laughs> That's, That's, it. It. That's it. Greatest player. Oh, that you ever played with? Oh, ever played with? Yep. Um, Elf, Elfie Langer. Elfie. Yeah, right. In five years, where, where will you be? Still, still happily married and living on the Gold Coast. Um, and probably the biggest thing for me is seeing my kids um, develop into young adults and yeah. being respectful. All right, well, look, we'll we all go to greatest movie. Favourite movie walks. Favourite yeah. movie. Um, Always tells a lot about a person. Oh, there's like Braveheart, Shawshank. No, no, no. You've got, I'll go, I know, great, it's a great I'll, movie. I'll go Shawshank. Yeah, oh, great. Good choice. All That's right. a solid best movie of all time. And so. last one. Favourite band or favourite song? Oh, I don't know. Actually, 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 there's I'm no favourite song. Go one, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to go one step further. Everyone has a motivator song. Did you just put the earplugs on before the game? Before no, an origin game, no. it was it was, it was always it was always something from like the recent top from 10. the time, yeah, yeah, from the time. So there was no like I didn't put on either time, either time out on the, the street. Favorite band, favorite band, favorite band. You two, no, yeah. I, oh, actually, see, I didn't want Nirvana unplugged. The the, the Nirvana live, unplugged. yeah, that was Nirvana no, growing up. Live. That was sort of yeah. that good choice. Like, that was like a Twumba anthem, yeah. Yeah. Now I could imagine that being a Toowoomba anthem. Yeah. Um, so, is Brisbane home now, or is uh, Toowoomba going back? Oh well, I'd say I'd, well, Gold Coast is home for me. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I yeah, yeah. So yeah, Gold Coast is home for me. I've got you know, my younger brother down there. I've got mum and dad. Courtney's all of Courtney's families on the Gold Coast now. So, mate, I can see us. I can see us dying on the Gold Coast. Look, it's been great um, talking to you, Chris. As I said, it's, it's all about stories that resonate with people and it's always great to hear where people go from, you know, the beginning to the, I'm not saying the end because you're, you're probably in the middle where you want to go and where you head and, and the journey that, that, that becomes. And I know that people listening want to hear what Chris Walker's done. And we haven't heard all the stories, but we've heard some of what Chris Walker's about. And, mate, you're doing a lot of good for the community. You're making changes in people's lives because you are making things aware that what we're talking about is of importance, is that guys getting out and just letting it out and talking to each other and not, yeah. and not feel bad about it. And, mate, can't pat you on the back enough or say enough is that that's, it's great that you're using, if you said before, I'm using my name to do this, mate, you, you are, yeah. and good, well done. Now, uh, we're going to switch the mics off and I'm going to plumb Chris for stories because Mac has been saying they've got heaps of it. <laughs> and there has not been stories that have emerged to the uh, descriptions that were provided before. So thank, thank you, you again, so Chris much. Walker. Thank, thank you to you very his beautiful much. wife, Courtney. Thank you so much for being patient with us. And, oh, uh, she's uh, she's been patient for six years, 16 years with me. So <laughs> this is, yeah, but thanks very much, guys. Really enjoyed it. Um, I wish you all the success.
Thank you for our special guests tonight for providing an insight into their life which hopefully resonates with our followers. Also, a special thanks to you, our followers, who give the Just Some Brothers crew motivation to put together our podcast, which allows us to send a message. A message that helps, hopefully, with you today and tomorrow. It's now time to sign off and say enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to Just Some Brothers. Ciao for now.